Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. Hey, 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 listeners. Welcome back for another great episode of your Smart Retirement Podcast. Guess what? We're at episode 50. Believe that, Matt? (laughs) It's crazy, Mike. 50 episodes. That means 50 different times since August of 2019. We've gotten together and said, what the heck are we going to talk about this week? And now we're shooting our 50th. And I am pleased and honored to let you know that we've got a, not just a guest, a new co-host on the show with us today, Jeff. Welcome to the show, my friend. I know you've listened. You listened to a couple different shows, haven't you? Of course. This is yeah. some great topics. Jeff, welcome. And Matt, I'll let you formally introduce Jeff to our listeners because he's a good friend of yours and another racing buddy. If you can't already tell, if you're on YouTube, this guy is in a race simulator. He's ready to go. If we start boring him and he's moving the steering wheel like that, you know he's no longer listening. <laughs> Um, it's true it's true we're gonna keep the energy high and and the 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 information relevant yeah so matt would you please introduce jeff to our listeners sure sure so listeners uh longtime friend of mine is going to be kind of stepping in here to to help out uh as a co-host as as mike is uh extremely busy right now he's gonna be taking a little bit of time off and so i brought uh mr jeffrey shulam on to join us. Um, Jeff, I'll let you tell the listeners a little bit about your background, um, but just to kind of give the listeners an idea, I've known Jeff, what, since about 2005, Jeff, we met out at the racetrack, and it's just kind of gone from there as a mentor in business, a uh, good friend, and uh, all the above. So, um, Jeff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and uh, kind of what you've done in your working life? Sure. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, it's been a long history between you and I. I mean, I met your father out at the racetrack and you were you were there as well. And, and uh, it's been a great experience. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to working with you and and obviously uh, continuing the relationship and now in a different capacity, you know, you know it keeps on growing. A little about me, I guess I started my career uh, as an accountant. Uh, I started working at uh, EY right off the bat out of college. I wound up uh, working there for about five years. So not only did I get really good auditing experience, but I got management experience because, you know, I was in charge of some uh, really talented people. And so I got to see how the big boys operate when it comes to the Fortune 500 and then I started working for a large local accounting firm. So I got, then I got to see how, you know, the smaller firms work and then got into politics, uh, worked with my father uh, as the CFO. And, and uh, we created a, a campaign and legislative software for the members of Congress and for the state of California. And, and that was just an amazing, you know, uh, experience working with politicians. Um, you know, I, I, as soon as I said amazing, I, I had to think. Um, well, <laughs> it was a little bit different than working at EY, um, but it uh, it was very rewarding. Once again, behind the scenes of things, but got to see how the political world worked, and and uh, and obviously how to you know 
be a CFO for a, a very successful software company. So that was some great experience. Um, but when you leave a you know public accounting, you basically have this fear of, you know, what do I really know what to do? As uh, I was an auditor, right? So I know a little about everything in business, you know, as far as uh, companies are concerned, and so. You know, I kind of feel that my specialty and what I might be able to bring to the table for the audience is, you know, I, I help emerging companies emerge or I can help, uh, you know, a failing company. And I can maybe uh, turn around. You know, I have a lot of practical experience on how to, you know, run businesses and uh, as a CFO. And, and I think deep down inside, I probably shouldn't have been an accountant because, you know, as much as I like the analytical in the detail side of things, I really think that I, I, I have a good sense of marketing. And, and so I, I'm a, you know, I, I can also help with, you know, that aspect of, of, of companies. So, um, you know, I'm a one of the things I like Jeff about you, and we were, we were having that meeting last week about you coming on board and just kind of giving you some of the, the particulars about our, our, listener base and you know where we are at in this podcast life cycle is that you would be I, I can't wait to hear his topics about you elaborating on succession plans you know like mm -hmm. companies get so good and so it's like a we're all creatures of habit right you get so good at like okay I walk the dogs and then I do a couple things around the house and then I hit the office then the employees come in and it becomes part of you but you get to this stage where you're like, you know, the business is profitable, very profitable. I just don't want to do it anymore. And so how do I give it to something? Maybe it's uh, a keystone business in the community, like these small communities. You know, we've got these favorite places that they can't die, right? Like you can't just not have a Giuseppe's restaurant anymore. That would be weird. We'd like <laughs> fall into a sinkhole and everyone would die. And yeah. it would just. But that owner feels that pressure too, like, I just don't want to make spaghetti anymore, you know? I just, I've done it, I did it the best I could, but I want to make sure that my family, even if my son or my daughter don't want to work in the business, they benefit from all this stuff I've done. So it's going to be so entertaining to hear you talk about that. And I know you don't do that as much, but I know you know exactly how to have that conversation. Well, it's all about the exit strategy, you know? I mean, when someone starts to, that, to yes. buy, you know, or, 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 or get into a business, you know, you usually don't talk about it, but it is something that, that uh, I always talk about up front is, you know, you're starting a business, but yeah, how do you want to finish the business? And yeah, and knowing that up front just makes so many life decisions easier for you down the road, right? So many people can say that very same thing about retirement itself, you know, like yep. we, we had a show, um, episode 48 and 47, a two-part, excuse me, 46 through 48 is a three-part series, listeners. Episode 46 through 48 is thinking like your retiree in your 30s and your 40s. Like starting to say, hey, like, you know, what, not just don't pick the day you want to retire. That's a little bit foolish. But like, what does it look like? If you started painting a picture in your 30s and 40s of what retirement looked like, are you going to be, you know, quasi-retired? Are you going to be fully retired? Are you going to be managing properties? Are you going to be, you know, living in a foreign country? What is it going to be? And and start to think that way. Start training your mind to to process that now. Because when you do it at 58 and you say, I want to retire at 62, the world basically laughs, laughs at you, right? Like, 
what have you been doing the last 25 years? I mean, you've been making money. When you hit your 30s and 35 and 40, that's when you just start realizing, okay, I got to clean up all the stuff I did in my 20s. I went to school. I financed it all with student loans. Maybe I made a couple bad decisions financially, like I purchased a car that I really shouldn't have or I... Uh, you know, I ran up some credit card debt because I told myself I can pay that off next month and then you didn't. And so you realize with focusing on the end in mind, so much of this show is that way. So I love that you said that because it allows us to give fill in some of these question marks for listeners where they can't see the end. Right. They don't know what the end really looks like. So they just focus on today. And mm-hmm. if you can listen to Jeff or Matt or myself help you get closer to crystallizing what the end in then we've done our job you know this show's not about like stuffing product down your throat and buy these services sure all of us can work with you individually but it's really more about saying hey become awakened to the fact that you've got to retire and if you don't want to retire then don't listen to the show but <laughs> if, if you do want to retire and you're thinking man I could save three, four, five years by listening to these guys. This is, this is what our goal is. And, um, you know, as episode 50 hits, we've been doing this since August of 2019. But I can imagine three and a half, two and a half years from now, you guys being at episode 100. Absolutely. I could see you do that. There's things ever changing, things evolving. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the inflation risk that's on, on the doorstep of, of the United States of America and the consumer price index a little bit in the second phase of this show, but I think it's so fascinating. I'm, I'm really glad that you, Jeff, are interested in bringing the business side of this and helping business owners, because I think a lot of self-employed people listen to this show because they are always thinking about how can I improve? How can I be better? How can I do things? So I, I want to let us go to a break, but I I wanted to just kind of echo what you're saying, Jeff. I think it's really cool to have your level of background and skills added to this show because a mortgage guy and an insurance guy can talk to their blue in the face, but you need accounting and you need to consider bookkeeping when you're planning for retirement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Mike, with that, let's go ahead and take a uh, quick, you know, 60 to 90 second break here. Let their sponsors get a word in. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll dive into some more about inflation in the uh, consumer price index. So, listeners, stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. It's been a roller coaster of a start to the new decade. From the pandemic to the election, record low interest rates, a wild market, home prices that seem to have no ceiling. It leaves us asking, what's next? Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will this past election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my home before the market adjusts to downsize? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion. From a team like Century Financial Consultants, with over 40 years of financial planning experience, get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license number 0L23991 and 0175638. 
Welcome back, everybody. It's Jeff uh, taking the lead for this segment. Uh, I thought we would uh, continue talking about uh, starting a small business or what that entails. And, and if you already have one, you know, some of the options that you might have that uh, you might not have thought about. Uh, it was actually a Wall Street Journal article today that was talking about and over the last year how there's been such an increase in small businesses. Uh, you know, during COVID that, uh, you know, a lot of people might be flying blind, but, you know, I had a great idea and all the downtime that we all had. And, and so there's obviously certain things that, uh, you know, are important when you're first starting off, one of them being that exit strategy. Another one is, you know, probably your biggest expense is going to be wages, you know, and, and with inflation coming up, uh, you know, you got to consider, you know, the pricing that you have for your service or your product, because, you know, the, with uh, minimum wage going up as, as well as uh, workers comp and, and things like that, those are all, you know, going to be going up. And, you know, if, if wage is going to be going up, you know, a lot of people don't know, but workers comp is a factor of wages. So, you know, there's going to be some added expenses that you're going to have to think about. Obviously, some of the benefits to having a small business is to also be able to have your medical insurance being you know, paid for and, and uh, your disability and your long-term care, which Matt, I'm sure, can talk about. But, you know, one of the other things is, you know, your other biggest expense is going to be, you know, your rent. And you might want to consider, you know, real estate, buying the real estate associated with the space that you're thinking of. And, and obviously, you know, Mike can talk about, you know, commercial property as far as, you know, what are the current rates and, and so forth, because, you know, as funny as, you know, as I love business and I love helping people with businesses, I've seen, you know, a full circle, you know, certain businesses make some good money during, you know, the, the prime, but, you know, because they bought the real estate associated with that business, that they ultimately make more money off of the real estate than they ever did, you know, with, with the business itself, you know, and so that's obviously something to think about. And well. I think that's a triumphant way of, of planning an exit strategy, like literally buy a business where there can be three suites or two other neighbors, put yourself in a fraction of the business, just kind of be there, property manage slash run your business. Maybe it's a barber shop. Maybe it's a, a small maybe you're like a cigar shop something really tiny retail that doesn't i mean cigars can get expensive depending on how big you want your humidor room to be and all that stuff but you know you get what i'm saying like let the two other tenants rent out most of that and pay the mortgage property taxes and have them pay triple net lease and then you inside of the business are paying yourself right so you'd have an operating business and it's paying now Everyone that I know that owns a business a building downtown collects rents every month. They get they basically get to change the, the cost of rent every 12 months. And if you own that building, just think how much that allows you to combat inflation. Like you don't have to raise the rent on yourself. Um, you honestly, depending on how good your partners are, those two other suites, you don't have to raise it on them either. But what you do is you set yourself up to the moment that you're ready to no longer be a barber shop. You fill that, you fill that suite with something small, and you will continue in perpetuity to receive income. It's so simple, but so many people don't do it because they just think, "I want to cash flow today. I want to think about how do I make income off of this idea, this service, this plan." 
sometimes it's worth it to not even make money the first couple of years as long as you can own the building. Yeah. I mean, you got your own personal uh, finances, right, Jeff? I mean, you got to you got to make enough money to pay your bills. Uh, I stole the microphone from you there, but I, I love mm -hmm. the idea. I don't care where we're at in the economy, up, down or sideways. Buying the building and putting your business in it is got to be one of the things you start to try to do. I remember back in my real estate classes that, you know, I had this discussion with the teacher. You know, he was saying that, you know, in times when inflation is really high and mortgages are really high, that most people will buy real estate with cash. Whereas when inflation is low and mortgages are low, people will use leverage. And so I raised a hand, I said, wait a second. So real estate is good regardless of the economy, right? And he's like, absolutely, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, I, I remember having that aha moment, you know, and it just depends on how you, you purchase it, right? Well, I'm sure there's some people listening today that are like, well, I own a commercial real estate building and I haven't been paid for my tenants in 12 months. <laughs> and so there are risks. I mean, most of what happened this year with the government coming out, excuse me, last year and in creating that CARES Act is unprecedented, you know, to not be able to evict a tenant puts the landlord at a very weak position, especially when we don't know exactly when they're going to go back to paying. Right. Um, we saw that a lot in the in the mortgage market. I mean, major mortgage backed security investors were not getting their interest for six, nine, 12 months. And we're not talking about like thousand dollar interest payments. We're talking about millions of dollars yeah. where the servicer, you know, wasn't getting income either. If that statement isn't getting paid, then the servicer can't take their cut to process the payment, redo the bookkeeping, send out the new statement then give the leftover to the investor. So that whole industry was affected by this. Doesn't mean it's not good, right? Look out your front door and you'll find a house that's listed for 610 that's sold for 680. But it just, it just there are certain risks that you have. And so, um, you know, I would always recommend having 12 months of reserves for any real estate you buy, where if you have vacancy, in the commercial arena, if you have vacancy for 12 months, you can make the payment, no questions asked. Before you start cashing in that profit and buying your wifey a Louis Vuitton, you should make sure you have, you know, eight to 12 months set aside. Or whoever. For sure. Life yeah. partner, I don't care. Um, anyways, yeah. Jeff, so what, what else did the article say about people starting up all these businesses? Where are they now? Well, obviously they got, you know, some help from the PPP that might have been out there, or at least, you know, some of the other types of loans, you know, so, you know, some people got some money and they're saying, oh, what, you know, and, and you know, some are investing in crypto, some are investing in the stock market, and, you know, and, and some are being smart and thinking more long term investing in businesses that hopefully can, you know, create some some income for them, you know, um, you know, I always suggest that uh, you want to get into some kind of, of business that's that you could then duplicate yourself and get out of the business, you know, in some fashion or form, you know, for a CPA like myself, or, you know, it's hard as a sole proprietor to duplicate yourself to be able to have, you know, to, to be able to have the, the lifestyle that I really want. And so those are the toughest businesses to get into. So it's obviously, you know, if you come up with the idea and you have the capital and you got the team around you, you know, it's, it's really nice to be able to then 
trust that team eventually and then be able to walk away from it and just, you know, collect a paycheck, you know, type of thing. That's that's ultimately what what a great business should be like. Um, but, uh, sure. you know, that's not always the case. Um, but um, what are the so you are you dealing with at this point in time? you're not really helping with tax filings. You're more advising on financial statements and how to properly set up a company to be successful. Walking away from a, the big four accounting firms, you know, it was tough. Um, and, I, and I just really felt that, that I could really help, you know, emerging companies emerge. And, and, and that's where I, my expertise is. You know, I recently took a restaurant that you know had a really good product and, and a good um, some good branding and, and I took them from one locations to six locations and helped them with a licensing deal in another country and, and, and things like that you know that's wow. where I feel my expertise is you know I, I I've kind of coined myself recently as a, a virtual CFO you know for those mid-sized companies that just can't uh, afford a full-time CFO but just need some financial direction you know, you hire me to be able to, you know, help with that, you know, type of thing. So that's kind of what I've been doing recently. And it's been very successful, you know, during, uh, you know, COVID and all the new businesses that are out there and so forth. But So do you, from where you sit, are you worried about, you know, the, well, I guess we should probably let Matt chat about his thing, his, um, unless there's something else you wanted to mention on that article. Well, you know, I, 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 from something was said earlier that, that sparked a, a comment from one of my friends going through college together. And we had talked about, you know, maybe our retirement back then. And, and his comment always stuck out in my head. He says, you know, I don't make enough money right now to worry about retirement. I, I, I want to be able to spend my money as a youthful, you know, kid and, and be able to, you know, enjoy the money that I do have. And I, I always, I never liked that answer because mm -hmm. I know with the value of, of time, you know, that with compounding and things like that, that it, only if I knew, you know, how successful compounding really is and, and how starting younger could, you know, turns into such a nice nest egg down the road because I, I know for the last 10 years from, from my life, you know, worrying about retirement and having enough resources, either a nest egg or passive income is, is on my mind all the time. And all my decisions, all my investments are based off of, you know, what I need when I retire. And right now it's, it's more to me about passive income or an annuity or, or something like that. And when inflation kicks in, you know, you got to take that in consideration because what you think is is passive income and it's you know, you're making 5% and you think that's great. But if there's 3% inflation, you know, it, 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 it eats into that and, and that's yeah. not enough. Right. And so I know Matt has some some great products, you know, to, to kind of counterbalance the inflation as well as you know you got but you got to understand what that inflation is and i think that that's what our big topic is for the day is how to combat and, and what is inflation and, and and how can we you know combat that so matt maybe you can help with that absolutely yeah and one of the things that i'm really excited about jeff with having you on here is we're going to be adding on a couple of things into the show 
uh, one of the which Jeff, you and I talked about doing a tip of the day. So smart retirees, Jeff's going to be able to bring you a you know a simple tip that uh, we'll be able to use on every episode uh, that you can utilize you know through your your planning and uh, throughout your retirement. Uh, one of the other things that we're going to be doing is a section of the show called Racing into Retirement. Um, with Jeff and I being racers, we thought it would be kind of fun to uh, bring you some kind of fun, fast information uh, regarding that. But uh, I guess for the Racing and Retirement section for today's show, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about probably one of the most powerful forces uh, affecting your life that most of our smart retirees probably haven't thought about. Um, and that is that consumer price index. Um, Mike, I know you kind of hinted at it earlier, um, but really what is the consumer price index or as some call it the CPI, right? So really it's a measure of the average change over time and the prices paid uh, by urban consumers for a market basket of consumer goods. Now, what does that mean really in plain English? It's basically how much are you paying for goods and services now versus normally or before maybe a year ago right so yeah so why does a retiree care about that right um i think it really just boils down to what how it's going to affect the your normal day-to-day life right um jeff mike both you guys are in california i saw uh, i've got a buddy up in san francisco right now Gasoline for premium was $6 a gallon at a Shell station in San Francisco. Um, Wild, right? Uh, Computer chips, right? Not just Intel chips for a laptop, but cars right now, you can't even go out and buy a new Ford truck because they can't make them because they don't have the chips to do it, right? So what's that doing? It's driving up the price of the used car market And the used car market now is up 26% on average from this time last year, all right? So these are things that we should be looking at. So why, you know, is CPI, why are we looking at it right now? Um, You know, in April of this year, we saw the largest increase in in the CPI since 2009. Now that 2008, 2009 era is not something that, you know, we tread on lightly when we're talking about retirement, Um, but, if we look at the um, last real estate crisis, we went, uh, you know, we had a jump there. So if we look at inflation from a planning standpoint, and when I put together my retirement plans for uh, my prospective clients or current clients, you know, we usually run somewhere between a two and a two and a half percent inflationary factor in our planning. Uh, what we've seen is from 2020 to 2021, We've gone from that about two and a half percent inflationary rate up to 4.2 percent, which, as if some of you smart retirees are paying attention, um, is probably the highest rate since 2008. So what's that doing? Well, it's creating a supply chain and logistics nightmare, really. Right. And remember, Mike, Jeff, I mean, you guys probably remember where that uh, the shipping container ship uh, got blocked up in the canal right okay and so i mean beyond the the jokes the memes and things that we saw all over the internet um it's brought issues with the things like the computer chips lumber etc so it's being it's more expensive to build a house um so what are we going to do right and mike i think you can kind of talk a little bit on the mortgage side of what we think might happen here um 
but I mean, you know, I think what's happening as well is with everyone wanting to kind of post COVID now, reopen everything, right? They're trying to go out, they're doing these vacations, they're buying new things. Well, the supply isn't there to quite do it, right? And so really what's gonna happen, Mike, I mean, I know you've got a pretty strong economics background, Jeff, you do too. Um, you know, where do you guys see this going and what are the feds gonna have to do to kind of combat this rapid inflationary period? Well, it's very interesting, you know, from a risk management standpoint, unfortunately, the Fed and Jerome Powell are at a weak position. They don't. So they got to let the inflation happen so that we can get back to, to doing business. And and what what is happening, the undercurrent that's taking place or the, the underlying issue, I should say, to be exact, is that, you know, they probably could comfortably would in a normal environment raise rates a quarter or half a point this coming month in June because of the activity that took place in April because of the activity that's been taking place in the real estate market since early January where these houses are going on the market and um, and then being so they're going on the market at list price let's say it's 550,000 and they're literally closing or entering escrow at 625,000. And it's similar to what you're saying, Matt, you know, there's less supply, there's less inventory of houses. And there's um, less and less houses are being built, even though it's the most new contracts or new permits, new starts for construction than we've had since 26, excuse me, 2006. We can't get those houses built fast enough because the lumber's taking so long or the wholesaler just doesn't have all of the internal plumbing for the builder to put inside the house. Um, honestly, the builder wants to raise prices, but the states that which they're in are forcing them to keep the prices affordable because we have an affordable housing crisis. And what I meant earlier by saying um, they're in, the Fed is in a weak position. Normally, they have the ability to, if rates get increased half a point overnight, or God forbid, three quarters or a full point overnight, and the economy doesn't respond well to that, then they can ratchet the rates down to try to get the economy to bounce back. It's like tightening and loosening, right? But right now, they're only a quarter basis point above prime. So they can only ratchet down one more quarter point and that's it. After that, you start going into deflation, which is issues that we do not want to even have. I mean, the stuff that's happened in parts of Asia, um, it's detrimental. It's, it's 20 years to get out of that type of situation. And but also concurrently going on with this challenge that the Fed has, they're also quantitative easing, right? So they're flushing in more liquidity to keep us on our feet. So it's really, I, I just don't know that there's a math problem that we can put on the board and solve here. It's gonna be a move and counter move situation. And what I'm concerned about when that happens is, hey, we way overthought one of these dimensions and we gotta take the rates up to 5%. So now mortgage rates that are three and an eighth are gonna go up a point and a half overnight. When Trump 
beat Hillary in 2008, we saw in a 10-day span rates hike up a point and a quarter in 10 days. Wow. In the mortgage business. And they stayed there for about three weeks because they just was not really quite sure what was going to happen. I think some of that internally, my, my inference is that a lot of that was investors saying, oh my gosh, we need to get out of mortgage-backed securities and bonds. We need to get into that stock market because Donald Trump's going to make that thing fly over the moon. And when all that liquidity left that market, it made it very, very tough for those lenders to have enough cash to lend out. So they naturally had to increase their rates to because they didn't have the ability to meet demand. So they they did that. What we're looking at here is actually banks having the ability to meet demand. But the only way to retard this inflation is to raise the rates so that they can start affecting people's purchasing decisions. Right now, people, the rates are so low that people are saying, hey, the house was at 590. No big deal. We'll buy it for 650. Who cares? It's $200 more a month. It's not a big deal. But what really matters is that that house just sold for about eight to 10% more than it should have. Great for you, seller. Good job. However, that buyer now is sitting on a potential landmine where if in the next three years the market just stabilizes or goes down a little bit, they're going to be losing quite a bit of money for a house that they paid more for than they really shouldn't have. And so I think that that's toxic if you let that run too long in a real estate sector because the actual price tag of the asset is so big. You know, 3% of $600,000 is 18,000 bucks. 3% of $1,000 is 30 grand. Or thirty dollars. It's not a big deal. So some of these market things like gas, you know, that's a big issue because if it goes up to six dollars a gallon, I mean that's almost a a hundred percent increase from where it was in April of last year or May of last year. You know, but when you talk about actual inflation right now, I think a lot of people are just they're not really seeing it so much in the bag, the the market bag, like the bag of goods you're talking about in the CPI. But I would tell you, you know for a fact, if you're buying real estate right now, you're seeing it in real estate. You're seeing it in purchasing a car. Even the used car market prices are, the used car salesmen are paying 20% over blue book value to get your used car right now. What does that tell you? They don't have any inventory. <laughs> they don't have any inventory. They've got to move car products. Yep. So they'll pay you handsomely. And then what does that person do? That person it could go out and buy a new car right now because the APR is like less than 2%. Well, I mean, what happens 70... you know, with that individual a year from now, two years from now, when they go to try to sell that vehicle and the market's calm down, they're absolutely buried in that car, right? Right, because they put no money down because the <laughs> financing is like, hey, spread this out over... Seven years, months, you know, <laughs> just go for it. Um, you know, I think we're, we're definitely going to see some issues there. Um, you know, the reason I brought up the CPI and I know, you know, I want to kind of take a step back and look at more of the people that maybe are in retirement or very close to retirement that are speaking to themselves and kind of saying, you know, I've got this pretty much fixed income, right? I'm not necessarily going to go out and buy a new car, not necessarily going to go out and buy a new house, but, you know, I've got my Social Security. And I've got my IRA, my 401ks that I basically I'm going to start taking withdrawals from. 
and you know what do I do, right? How do I get a um, a good estimation of where inflation is going to be, right? So there are products out there that uh, we'd be happy to go over with you. Eight six six five three retire. And I'll do a complimentary income inflation analysis for you. And we've got products that essentially we can place money into and it will give you income throughout your retirement, through your life, maybe even to your spouse's life as well. And will change and increase every year as the CPI can increase. So, you know, if you're trying to protect your income throughout retirement, which, you know, we talk about, Mike, you and I all the time on the show is proper planning, right? And it's hard to do proper planning when you have a moving CPI and target. With some of these newer products, we don't have to try to guess, right? They're going to adjust automatically to whatever the CPI is doing. So, you know, this last year, your income might've gone up 2.6%. If, if CPI inflation rates at 4.2% this year, your income is gonna go up by 4.2% that year. So it'll help keep track of that. So if you're interested in a complimentary income inflation analysis, 866-53-RETIRE, or shoot us an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. So Mike, um, I know we're getting kind of towards the end of the show here. Uh, Jeff, was there anything else you wanted to join in or, uh, or add in here? Uh, before we wrap up for the day? Just a, a quick thought on what you were just saying. I think uh, I, I was, you know, I had a, a Matt, you know, friend that, you know, at, at, right around college. And, uh, you know, he got me in early on, on certain products like long-term care and so forth. And, and I just remember, you know, when he was talking to me about inflation, I, I, think, I think the inflation rider that I have on my long-term care is like, $14 a month, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 but that turns into thousands of dollars down the, you know, the road, as far as what the benefits are for, for something so small, you know, so I, yeah, I, I, just a quick note about that. Um, you know, and, and then I, I guess when it comes to the, the mortgage side of things, I think there's just a really nice little window right now because you know, I think mortgage rates will be going up soon. And I know prices are high, but you know, in the long run, real estate is gonna go even higher. It might be, you know, 10 years from now, but you know, after a little bit of a bubble of some sort, but you know, it, it's always good to be in real estate, you know, as, as you know, from a, uh, from your home perspective or from a commercial property perspective, you know, so. At least with the commercial property, you can, you know, raise the rates, you know, for inflation, you know, every year and kind of counterbalance, you know, inflation. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the long run, it's always good to be in real estate. So, yeah, uh, Mike, uh, this isn't uh, this isn't goodbye. <laughs> this is more of a see you soon, I hope. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure you want to say a couple of things to our listeners before we uh, sign off here. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed being a part of this journey with you, Smart Retirement listeners. Um, you know, I'm at a stage in my life where I've just got a couple too many things going on at the same time. So I'm going to step back from the show, let Jeff and Matt have all the fun. But I do plan on making some guest appearances quarterly, touch on, you know, things that are changing in the mortgage 
rate market, um, things you want to be thinking about in real estate, um, and just really chiming in when Matt needs me. But it, it's been a it's been thoroughly enjoyable. I really do like the new setup with you guys. I think you guys will feed off each other well. You know, Jeff, your background with helping business owners is so huge because we've talked about it off the air, but so much of the backbone or the heart of the American economy is these small five to 10 person companies where someone's got a great idea idea, and they like hand pick and hire these people, you know? So as these wages go up, they wouldn't dare like just terminate an employee. They're feeling that pain as, as their costs go up because, you know, they believe in what they're doing and they believe in having a team around them and almost like a family, some of these companies. I've seen business owners almost to a fault take a loss so that they can keep all of their employees happy. And I think that that's very admirable, but I think that it's also scary and likely happening for some of our listeners. So I hope you can give them advice where you can. And, you know, really just in closing, I think that this show is, you know, some episodes are right spot on what you're thinking of. Some of them are not exactly what's on your mindset. But if you keep listening every two weeks, we try to touch on many different subjects. So I hope you really appreciate what we're doing here. It's been almost three years, Matt. I know. It's crazy. Um, Mike, as as you're signing off, do you want to uh, to do the... The closing here with my with my tagline sure <laughs> sure well listeners thanks for listening today and go out there and make the rest of your life the best of your life we'll be back in two weeks thanks guys thanks thanks the opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. California license number 0175638 and MLS number 1246224. Thank you.